Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman. Greetings, people of Earth, and welcome to another two hours of Motorsports Conversation. Here on the Performance Motorsports Network, you are listening to Motorsports Madness. My name is Jacob Seelman, Managing Editor for RacechaserOnline.com, and I have a band of hooligans at a round table. And we're going to talk about racing for two hours. I resemble that remark. The correct answer is, hey, that sounds like fun. (laughs) Well, you call me a hooligan. I was just confirming it. Okay. Anyway. Let's talk racing. Let's do that. So in from California is Rents Brown also actually at the round table. Isn't it wonderful? It's great. It's better than, you know, being lit on fire like Sonoma Raceway. But, you know, it's pretty good right now. Sigh. That is not where I wanted to start, but hey, it's okay, Tom. We are going to get through this. It's going to be all right, but we do want to start off by saying thoughts, prayers, and the like to all of those in Northern California, including our friends at Sonoma Raceway, because wildfires are not fun, and we hate that that is what they are dealing with currently. Yes, for sure. We definitely uh, do hate that uh, that's what they're dealing with. It's really, I mean, you know, gosh, um, we've had so much going on in the country, really. We've had uh, with the hurricanes Mm -hmm. and the fires and all of the things Mm -hmm. that are going on over the last couple months. I mean, it is just Mm -hmm. really... It has really, really been a very tough time for people across America. And, you know, we sit here and talk racing every week and we have a great time doing it. And it is what our job is. And but at the same time, it really humbles you when you know that there are people out there that are going through these things. So, yeah, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody um, whether it's the folks from Vegas or, you know, the fires and still those who are recovering from the hurricanes yes. we've had. It's just been a, yep. a tough last month or two for our nation. It really has been. And hopefully we can bring a little glimmer of, oh gosh, now I'm not even sure what the word I'm looking for. Well, a, gl- just, a, a glimmer of taking our mind off of all the bad right. things. Yes, exactly. Lightheartedness and, yes. and having Thank some you. fun talking about it. That's the word racing. I was looking for was lightheartedness. Happy to do that. Ah, See, you... you I'll start the sentences and you finish. Okay. There we go. We'll do that for the rest of the show. (laughs) Anyway, racing. Back to racing. Charlotte. We had racing this weekend at Charlotte. More importantly, Martin Truex did not start off as the best race car, as he's been so good at doing this season. However, Rents, he finished as the best race car. You know how I know that? Because for the sixth time this season, he was getting pelted with confetti. Well, the sixth time this season and the second time in the last two years at Charlotte Motor Speedway, he's done it. So, you know, the largest thing is when you really think about it in the fact that Martin Trex Jr. is, as you said on Friday, Jacob, is kind of what the the prince of Charlotte, of Jimmy's the king. The crown prince. I called him the crown prince on Friday. There's something about that 78 team right now that is... On level, I think, we haven't seen since, in my opinion, Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss' massive reign in the sport, where Cole Pern is a genius, a master of everything. He understands what to do with the race car. And Martin Truex Jr., I'll say it like this, and I'm going to say this respectfully. He 
is driving with something much more on his mind. It's not just about racing. I think our thoughts and prayers should also go out to Sherry Pollux, who's fighting, you know, her her treatment last Monday. Yep. Yep. And I think he's fighting, seeing that fight that she has and bringing it to the race car. It's pushing him. Because he 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 was crying in victory lane. He was emotional. He said it during the post-race press conference, Tom, and he's actually said it a couple of times this year that Sherry's fight is pushing him to fight harder. And I think we're seeing that. We are seeing a different Martin Truex Jr. than we've seen at any other point in his career. He is driving with a very determined purpose, a Mm -hmm. very focused drive right now. And... I heard him say it on Sunday. I'll say it in agreement. If he doesn't win the championship this season, not only with how he's driven but what he's driving for, they're going to characterize that as a failure, as a disappointment. And at this point, he's the only one that I see driving, you know, driving at a level that true he truly deserves it at this point. He has mm-hmm. Just stop there. Okay, I don't want to go that far. I think we have to be careful with words here. Okay. I would wholeheartedly agree that obviously Sherry's issues are a motivating factor. Mm -hmm. Of course they would be. That's totally understandable. I also agree that this championship, I believe, is theirs to lose yep absolutely but let's remember this when we get to homestead it doesn't matter what you've done in the other 35 races Mm -hmm. one race it's one race okay so it isn't as though if he gets to homestead and finishes second to whoever we can say the whole thing the whole season was a failure the beauty of where this playoff is going and the the format of it is that it still comes down to one race. You just have to get there. And at this point, Rent, if he doesn't get there, I'm going to be sitting here asking myself, how, how the man has more than a full yep. race of points at this juncture. That would be he, 64. Yes, to be exact. He can literally sit out a race and still mm-hmm. be leading the championship when we start the round of eight. That is how ridiculous this season has been. Well, Reds, let's keep in mind here, that he's already put himself into round three. which is huge. So basically right now, for the rest of this round, including Talladega, he can just go race. Now... (laughs) He he said he was excited about that. Yes. There's no pressure. They can crash on lap 10 in the next two races, and he's still in round three. But here's, here's why I brought that up. If he can just go out in round three... And win one of those races. He's set. He's set because it doesn't matter about anything else. And even if he doesn't, now the only the only scenario in which his playoff points won't matter is if three other drivers win 
in round three or four other drivers win. He, yep. in, well, he, now, you can't well, have four actually, drivers Well, actually, no, that's right. There's yeah. still be a driver who points yep. in. So, yeah, I mean, basically all he has to do in round three is be consistent. Is be consistent in his points. You just got to finish. All, all he has to do in round two is be consistent because think about it. He's already you in You go into round three, and Talladega is the big one that everyone keeps talking yep. about as the monkey that might break, you know, the – the camel's back and whatever, yeah. whatever analogy you want to say. Yeah. And the big thing I think with Martin Trex Jr. is you said, I don't know how he would win. I don't know how he would lose the championship. I have a driver for you. He drives a 42 car, Kyle Larson. And this is the reason why Kyle Larson showed us all on Sunday that he's here to play. And if it wasn't for the issues on pit road at the end of that race, I honestly, in my heart, believe that Martin Truex Jr. was not going to win that race. Because Kyle Larson came from 13th, Jacob, all the way back to 4th in a matter of about 30 laps. So just imagine when that goes down like that, it's everything that we're looking at. And to keep in mind this, Tom, and, and Tom, you said this perfectly. And we saw it in the Xfinity race, and we'll talk about the Xfinity race later on in the program. Yeah. But Ryan Reed said it best. That is what we live for. It's yes, a playoff absolutely. moment. And even though people want to say that the playoffs aren't really what NASCAR is all about, let me just tell you this. We're in the playoff mode, so get this out of your mind. We're here for the playoffs. But while we're in the playoff mode and we're in this sort of scenario, it's the best thing that could have happened. Well, because it comes down to one position, and it comes down to multiple laps of try a guy trying to pass somebody. We've seen it every year, Tom. Well, I agree. And again, that's why I said I don't think – you consider this a failure if Truex doesn't win the championship oh, yeah, no. because there are still a lot of reasons why you lose a championship other than your own performance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to to be careful about right. putting that out there. I think but... I, I think at the end of the day, that one race at Homestead, it, it, it can be luck. You could get taken out by a lap car. There can be a number of things. Carl Edwards. I th yes. Well, I think <laughs> that was a little bit different because Joey Logano was also a championship guy. But still. I think we need to turn this around. What they've accomplished as a team this year hasn't been done in quite some time. Yes. Everything from here forward yeah. is a bonus. Mm -hmm. If they can finish it and win the title, fantastic. If they get to round four, which it's almost inconceivable that they won't. Yeah. But if they get there and they get beat on the racetrack by somebody better than them, it's still a very successful season. Well, the big thing, too, here is, Tom, is we're going to go to Homestead. And the big thing is the two guys that we just mentioned in this segment, Kyle Larson and Martin Trex Jr., are two of the best at average finishes at Homestead Miami Speedway. Exactly. So, so when it comes down to it, obviously Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, who we'll talk about. Harvick had uh -huh. an amazing run, run at Charlotte. Right. There's a lot of guys, but those two, the 42 and the 78, have proven themselves, Jacob, to be leaps and bounds above the competition in 2017. Well, with Kyle Busch. Yes, well, Kyle with, Busch. with the 18, but speed-wise. He, yeah. Here's my point, and I'll make this, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and – hear from Martin Truex, but my point right now is, yes, I think it's possible that the 42 can beat the 78 at Homestead. However, mm -hmm. they have to get there. True. And right now, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% convinced that the 42 is actually going to get there. I'll tell you why in a little bit. We're going to step aside right now when we come back. More Motorsports Madness. Trust me, we're just getting started, and I'm just getting warmed up. 
You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Well, there's somebody we can talk about to kick off this segment really quickly, Tom, because that somebody happened to have made an announcement at the end of last week that Boy, he has he a ever. yeah he he Matt Tift have a home for 2018, and I actually got a chance to talk to Matt Tift during Saturday's lengthy rain delay that we'll talk about in a few minutes, and Matt said that this deal was about him being able to have a home. Yep. I approve of this. I like the two car, not only because it eliminates cup drivers out of a car in the Xfinity series, but, you know, I I like it because I think Matt's going to be a good fit with RCR, and especially with Daniel Hemrick as a teammate. Well, 
I do too. I think actually they will be very good teammates. They're both very unselfish yeah. people. Um, and I like to think that there's a larger plan for everything, and this is kind of what it was meant for Matt to do. So hopefully he'll enjoy great success over there. Ryan it, Priest to JGR 2018. Well, we'll see. Please. I mean, I, I'm going to start that petition. I don't know that Ryan Priest goes. I don't know that that's what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But I think that we've talked on this show before about the fact that that there was a very crowded development uh, room over there at JGR. They've got a lot of drivers in the pipeline yep. that you've got to make room for. You you've got a couple that are down below in ARCA. You've got. You know, of course, Ty Gibbs is a ways away, but, yeah. you know, you've got... Well, there's one down in Arca, but he's not ready for Xfinity. You've got... Well, no, not yet, but my, my larger point is Toyota and JGR have a lot of drivers. And so, at some point, I I think, you know, we you and I had talked in the past that I wondered if Matt was just not going to have... It's, it was going to get so crowded that somebody was going to have to go. You're not getting rid of Chris Bell. So... You know, at some point, I think it was just going to be somebody was going to have to go somewhere. And I'm thankful that Matt caught on with RCR because, one, I think he fits their brand very well over there. And, and two, honestly, Rents, I, I feel like Matt has an opportunity. It's going to be in the two car, Yep. which is that has been an all-star car up to now. It's a good group of people. I feel like this is a good opportunity for him to go run up front in Xfinity because that car's shown that it can. Well, the big thing, too, is the fact that Matt Tift is kind of a guy that I'm not going to say got pushed off to the wayside of JGR. No. But it's just a thing where most of the attention goes to the all-star car that Kyle Busch or Denny Hamlin or Suarez or Jones run. Well. And, And the problem is, too, you look at Toyota, and I will say this as Toyota's kind of like the Yankees or a team that has a lot of success and the fact that they have a very good farm system, Todd Gilland, Harrison Burton, too good of a farm, system. too good of yeah, a farm system, but you don't have enough people to put the car drivers more, to cars. There's more supply of than drivers than there are seats available. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where, and, and, and I don't know that they pay attention just to the all-star cars, Jacob, but I, th- I, but I think it's more that here again, you've got drivers that you just know, are, are yeah. going to be going to get seats eventually. And we don't know all the background in this, so I don't want to presume anything. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that I think, you know, this is a situation where I think Matt Tift uh, can benefit from this. He's going into year two in the Xfinity series. This has been his learning year. Now he could go to RCR with some knowledge. Yep. And him yeah. and Daniel Hemrick will both be in their sophomore years. And I think this is a situation where Matt can do very, very well over there at RCR. Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. And more importantly, Rents just managed to make a baseball reference on this show, and it made sense. What? <laughs> hey, listen, man. Things are weird. We, we, I mean, we sat through, what, a 10-hour rain delay, and we still got an Xfinity race in on Saturday. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. What I want to go back to right now, since we're talking about Toyota, is the Toyota driver that won the cup race. Rents said Martin Truex was emotional in victory lane. Well, It extended, in a way, to the press conference afterwards. I got a chance to talk with Martin a couple of times during the press conference, and Cole Pern, Sherry, everything that has gone into this journey, he hit on all of it. Here's a small portion of what we talked about with Martin after his win on Sunday at Charlotte. 
Uh, just overall, I mean, it's just amazing to uh, <clears throat> to be a part of this team, to, to be on the roll we're on, um, have the confidence we have, have the partners we have. And I just feel like, uh, you know, everything is, is just lining up the way we need it to. So we're, uh, we're definitely working hard. We're definitely enjoying it. Our guys work so hard, it's unbelievable. Everybody's all in 100%. Our guys at the shop, our guys um, here at the racetrack, our pit crew training, and, I mean, just every every part of our program today was flawless, and uh, that's what it takes to win championships. So I feel very lucky to be part of this team. Um, it's been uh, an amazing couple of years, and, and I feel like it just keeps getting better. So we're going to keep working hard. we got our eye on the prize. We know where we want to go, and we still know there's some, uh, some hurdles in the way. So we'll just uh, keep focused and enjoy the good days as they come. At, uh, tomorrow, you know, starts preparing for uh, at next week and, and the next round for sure. Jacob Seelman, Race Chaser Online and Performance Motorsports Network. Martin, I got two for you. First, I asked Cole this a little while ago when he was in here, and he said a lot of the success of this unit has been about the people around you, but I feel like a lot of it has been the communication and the relationship that you two have had that just it clicks every time you guys get on a roll like this. What is it about that driver-crew chief relationship between the two of you that has worked so well for you the last few years? You know, I, I think for us it's just been a, a progression. You know, I think um, when we first got together, you know, we had similar backgrounds. Our dads raced. We grew up racing with them, short tracks and go-karts. And, you know, he just went in a different path than I did. But, um, you know, I think we grew up just similar ways and have similar values and um, the way we treat people, the way we, you know, our work ethic, the, what we're willing to do. And and um, I think the way we enjoy racing, you know. So I think early on we just uh, we realized that we had a lot in common. We love both like the same things at the racetrack and, and approach racing in a similar fashion. And um, I think, you know, we each let – each other do our own jobs and have confidence in in our our decisions so um i think that goes for our entire race team that's we have great people in 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 place and you know they're allowed to do their jobs because they do it well they're not micromanaged they're not told what to do they're not yelled at or they're not fighting all the time and of course when you have success things are always always seem you know better than than they are but you know i don't know i just um i Cole's done an amazing job, and uh, I, I have a lot of respect for him, and I try to show that, and, and he shows it back to me. And so, you know, that's why it works, I guess. But uh, he impresses me all the time. So I'm, I'm definitely a lucky guy to have him as a crew chief, and it means a lot to me when he when he compliments me and and shows that he has that, that confidence and that care and how much he cares about, you know, me and my family and uh, all those things. So just a great relationship on and off the track. And, uh you know, I definitely owe a lot to him for what he's done for me and, and our race team. And talking about Sherry, obviously <clears throat> this has been a journey with a lot of different facets for both of you, and this season being as magic as it has been. Now, I've heard her talk about in the past, you know, just every step of this journey being one to appreciate. When you have days like this, especially one today where you fought through so much to end up where you are, as you go down, do each of these wins and each of these moments mean that much more, knowing everything that you guys have been and are continuing to go through? Absolutely, I think they do. And 
I think we, we've learned to enjoy these moments a lot more and cherish these, these moments a lot more than maybe we would have in the past. Um, and I think that goes for, honestly, my whole, our whole team. And if you've seen us in victory lane, it's like a bunch of little kids. The first time we'd ever done anything exciting. It's, um, it's, it's just a really fun group. They really appreciate it. They, they work so hard. They put so many hours into this and so much time. Well, you know, so much time and effort really goes into that. and The wins myself, you know, just seeing them succeed and seeing them be happy and seeing their hard work pay off. Um, but it, it also feels pretty damn good for me just after all those years of heartbreaks and, and getting close and not catching the breaks and all the things going the way you don't want them to. Um, that, hey, you know, sometimes it is your turn. So that feels good as well. But uh, we definitely don't take them for granted. We enjoy ourselves. We uh we whoop it up and take in every everything we can, and uh, you know we're definitely not done celebrating this one yet. And they weren't done celebrating just yet. In fact, they celebrated for a while, Tom, after it was all said and done. <laughs> yeah, I imagine for a long while, honestly, because that was really amazing. Oh man, what now? We're going to Talladega. What now? I, actually, I'll tell you what now, Rents. Cole Pern said we can go for it. He also said he's going to sleep really, really easy this week. Well, you know, it, Talladega was their Achilles heel last year. I mean, obviously they didn't run that well at Charlotte, and they got involved in that crash with Chase Elliott with about 50 laps to go or so. But the large thing about what Talladega will bring now is the fact that we're going to see drivers really race hard. And there's a lot of guys that and gals that want to win. I, I think of... Dale Hart Jr. trying to get his final win in his, you know, in his career. Talladega is a great track. Danica Patrick wants to win. I look at guys that are outside the the playoff bubble too that we don't really talk about. Matt Kenseth, Ryan Blaney's always run well at Talladega, but going into it, Martin Truex Jr. has that insurance of knowing that hey, at least Tom, we can go to Talladega. We might not be able to win. But at least we're going to be able to get some playoff points. And I think he said it really well in the fact that they work their tails off. And that's a team from Denver, Colorado that shows up every single week with a two-car operation. And it's really staggering and astonishing to see something like that happen in this day and age where most of our shops are in North Carolina. Yeah, well, I agree with all of that. I mean, there are so many moving parts here. Mm -hmm. But I think what I heard the other day in in the press conference after the race was over, when we were talking about um, Cole, or we were talking, hearing from Cole and Joe Garone, you know, the the key for me, and even Martin said it, I think when Cole Pern was named the crew chief, for whatever reason, the chemistry between he and Martin and the respect factor between the two of them and the way they communicate, the way they see the racing program overall, I think... You know, Jacob, that is what's made the difference. That was really, as Martin says, the only change that they made. Yes. And I think Joe Garoni said it too. It's the only change they made. And for whatever reason, Cole and Martin just clicked. And I, that's why I asked both of them about that. And you'll see a feature piece on this later this week on Race Chaser Online. The dynamic between Cole and Martin has made so much difference. Yeah. It's like Rent said earlier, it's the Chad Knauss, Jimmy Johnson thing. And we'll Agreed. talk about this in a bit. We're going to go to break right now. When we come back, I think he's alive. James, are you alive across the pond there somewhere? Maybe. 
Somewhere, maybe. <laughs> he's alive. Hey, he's getting good at this because I was hoping he would do that. We'll be back. More madness in a moment here on the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediates to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America, featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits. HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop into HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. I'm NASCAR driver William Byron. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Appropriate, since we're talking about William Byron's series in this segment, hey. or the series he's driving in. Welcome back to Motorsports For Madness. Now. For now. Yes. The series he's currently driving in. Better? Yes. <sighs> Go on. You would think this is Thursday. The roles are reversed. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, <laughs> Rens Brown, James Pike. On a Monday night, Tom's... Having fun. <laughs> You're having too much fun. We're going to talk That's Xfinity right now, and I'm going to take my bus back, thanks. And we're going to talk about how Showman Bowman, after a 10-hour rain delay, actually won a NASCAR race, James. <gasps> Are we that surprised, though, to no. be fair? Because no, he I'm has su- been pretty good. To be fair, I'm surprised it wasn't sooner. Well, but he also hasn't raced that much this year, if we sit back and think about it. So, you know, it's it's one of those, could he have won sooner? Probably. But was that 
necessarily going to be the case. Well, not if you're only running a handful of races this year while you're spending most of your time on the sim getting ready for 2018 when you actually go full-time, right? Let's take a note to what James just said, Rents, in the fact that this was the first time that Alex Bowman has been in a race car, a real Mm -hmm. race car, since I was at Atlanta in March, and he was driving the all-star GMS truck, and it's the first time he's been in an Xfinity car since yeah. Homestead last November. And he won the thing. Yeah, I mean, that 42 car has really found its its speed and its legs this year, really. I mean, I think Kyle Larson did a lot. But Alex Bowman gets overlooked for his talent and his speed a lot. When I was at Phoenix last year, Tom, he drove the wheels off of that 88 car and just took him to the woodshed. The only thing, and he even said in the media center, the only thing that haunts him is the fact he didn't, you know, close the deal. And Alex, when I talked to him pre-race before the Xfinity festivities and, you know, the festivities I mean by rainstorm uh, that hit the track, (laughs) Alex was... Nothing festive about it. Well, Alex was really excited because this 2018 is going to be more for him. The fact that he's got the 88 unveil that happened on Thursday, the fact that he was in a fast 42 and came out with speed, there's not, you know, there's so much excitement and buzz about him that everyone in the garage area in in the media have been hyping Alex Bowman up, and for good reason, Tom, he's going to be the next big thing, I think. Well, I don't know if he's going to be the next big thing. I think he... Alex talked, James, after the race about the fact that, I think people forget this, He's actually had several years of experience in the National Series between Xfinity and Cup. He just hasn't been doing it in winning equipment the whole time. I mean, yes, he's driven junior stuff and whatever, but, you know, a lot of the time he, sp- he has spent in cars not capable of running up front, but he's still getting the, equi- the experience, James, running on different tracks, learning about setups, doing all of that. So we probably shouldn't be so amazed that when he gets into winning equipment, he goes out and starts running up front. When he gets into winning equipment, I think is the key term in all of that, because you're right. He really hasn't spent that much time in winning equipment. I think of, you know, I think of Alex Bowman's career and up until he got the job as the sim driver for Hendrick, You know, you think of Alex Bowman as the guy who raced for BK Racing and Michael Waltrip Racing in the Xfinity Series for forever. So, uh, and with all due respect to both organizations, neither of those organizations were putting out championship caliber cars for drivers to come in and get behind the wheel of. So, uh, you know, now that he's actually got a decent piece behind him, he's starting to show what he can do. And um, I, I think maybe more importantly... If he ends up being as good as I think he'll be, if he ends up being as good as I think Rents thinks that he'll be, um, Bowman might be more of a referendum in the grand scheme of things on the ability of the West Coast drivers really playing a flag down. I guess it started with Gordon. It's continued with the Bush brothers. But, uh, you know, I, I think if if he can succeed and you look at when he came into the series and you know, if he ends up being successful, qualifying for playoffs, being in the hunt for championships, uh, I think we really have to start talking about just how strong 
the West Coast has been in producing drivers in the last 20 years. And we can't forget Harvick either, now that I sit back and yeah. think of it. But you look at that list of five or six over the past you know, 15, 20 years, those are an incredible handful of championship-caliber drivers. Yeah, well, they are. And, and I think the larger point is that you know, being in, it's not even so much a territorial thing, but I think what it's what the referendum is, is that even if you're in inferior equipment, you're still gaining experience on the tracks, learning about cars, all mm-hmm. of those things still apply, mm-hmm. Jacob. So when you get that chance, as he did with the 88 team last year, yep. you look good. You You take that experience and now you've got equipment that matches your uh, knowledge and ability, and you can start to go to that next level. And I think that what we saw on Saturday night was Alex Bowman in a winning car, in a winning situation, drive his arse off and be able to go to the front and close the deal. And, oh, by the way, the 88 is a good piece. And Junior struggled a little bit this year, actually a lot, and yeah. I don't want to blame any one party there. I think they've just sort of lost the the chemistry. But I got to tell you, I see Alex getting into that car and coming out next year. I'm not going to say he's going to be the next big thing. There's, there's a number of next big things already in in the Cup Series. But I think he's certainly going to do well with the opportunity. He did well with the opportunity that he had over the weekend. Afterwards, he got a chance, as all winners do, to talk about it so i'm gonna have joe hit a button and you're gonna get to listen to alex bowman talk about winning because winning is good it's a dream come true uh, i gotta thank uh, mr hendrick and chip and everybody that made this possible um it's been a long time since i've uh, i've raced so to come here and, and be as competitive as we were all night uh, even until that last restart i was really pleased with uh with how competitive we were and and mike made great adjustments all night Um, we kind of got on the fence with what we needed to do. We were too free if I let the car roll too long, and then we were too tight if I rushed the throttle too much. So uh, we just kept freeing it up, and I felt like I had some things I was rusty with. I wasn't that great on pit road, um, but my restart seemed to to be really good, and and the car was really secure around other race cars, which which helped us get a great last restart and get to clean air first, and we were able to use uh, our Hendrick horsepower and, and get up front and put a big gap between us and uh, and the guys behind us before we built too tight and just kind of do kind of uh rode that to the end jacob sam performance motorsports network and race chaser online alex uh, two for you first off the the move to get tires late and then the run through the field restarts were your friend all night long uh, how daring were you having to be on those restarts and did you know really that with this being a night race, that that was really going to be your chance to make as much hay as you did? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely credit to Mike on on taking tires there. I was a little worried because I didn't feel like the other guys had that many laps on their tires, but uh, but it definitely paid off having stickers on that last restart. And, um, you know, I think it was sometime last year, Dale told me that every run that I had on somebody that I didn't take, it made him want to kick his dog. So I'm just trying to help Gus there. Um and take every run that I get. So every time I had a run on restarts, I just tried to take it. And uh, thankfully, we were able to make make most of them work. Um, but, you know, a lot of that is the race car. You know, the race car was great on restarts. Um, 
I, I really did think I was going to be rusty at that, and um, I, was, uh, I was very pleased with how the car handled in traffic, and we were able to use it to our advantage. I think a lot of people sometimes forget the year of experience you actually had, the full year of experience you had in the cup car uh, back when you were running for BK, and now getting ready to go into this full-time deal in the 88 next year. How much do you lean on that? How much do you feel like, even though it won't necessarily be the equipment that you're going to be in with Hendrick, obviously, but how much does that prior experience ease the learning curve going back into another full-time opportunity? Absolutely. I mean, it was actually two years. I, I ran full-time cup racing for, for two years, 2014 and 2015. So um, I got to make a lot of mistakes without really anybody watching, which I think was a big benefit. You know, my rookie season, obviously we didn't win rookie of the year, but I had Kyle Larson, Austin Dillon, Justin Allgaier. I mean, a bunch of a bunch of great race car drivers. And um, I just got to mess up and we would finish bad, but it'd be, oh, you're supposed to. And it really helped me learn without a lot of people noticing. Um, and I think uh, it just made me a better race car driver. Um, those guys from 25th to 30th to 35th, I mean, they race just as hard as the leaders do, if not harder. And the race cars are, are way worse to drive. So I think I learned a lot from that. Um, worked with a lot of, of, of really good people with, with Dave Winston and working with Tommy Baldwin in 2015. Um you know, it's uh, it just every experience was a learning experience, and I think a lot of people look at me. I've had so many people say that, oh, you're going to win Rookie of the Year next year, and I'm like, man, I almost have 90 cup starts. So I, I think it's experience that I have in my back pocket that not a lot of people realize that I have, but uh, it's definitely something I can always use. And I like that point, oh, by the way, because – as Tom said, Rents, and I'll let you make a point real quickly before we go to break here. He's going to come out of the box strong, and that's why I referenced the experience that I did because he already knows these tracks, and he, now he's got the best equipment, basically. Yeah, but on top of it, as James alluded to as well, is the fact that he's been the Hendrick test driver in the simulator, so he's been able to, to split that. The biggest thing, I think, is the fact that he wasn't the best car on Saturday night. While he was one of the fastest, he was not the best. But he used his experience to understand where to make his passes and to where to be aggressive. The 42 car was exactly where he needed it to be placed. Where he needed it was on the bottom, hard charging on the restarts, and forced the issue. And that why, And that is why, Jacob, he went to victory lane, and that is why the 88 next year is going to be in good hands. Dale is leaving that car in good hands. That's appropriate that you make that reference because Nationwide is on your side. Actually, it's not appropriate because, <laughs> because in, in, in good hands is all state. Yeah. Dang it, Rents. But you know what? That almost worked. Auto insurance, man, I'm telling you. You screwed up your slogan references. That's like $5 in the jar. James, Jeez. come back to America and we'll talk. <laughs> I think we need I to still take know a... it even when I'm not in America. So let's go to commercial break yes. because I think it's time to remind the people that you're listening to Motorsports Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network. And we'll be right back after this great, great group of messages. Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's. Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep, and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. 
It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444 this is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children name one of the leading killers of u.s children age 1 to 13 what's the best way to protect children in a car crash At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Let's throw the green for Open Wheel Central on Motorsports Madness. Now back to the roundtable and Jacob Seelman. We're back. On Motorsports Madness, you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Rance Brown, James Pike, talking racing, and right now, of the open wheel variety. Plain and simple. Formula One racing. <sighs> James, your favorite track put up a dud. Absolute dud. It sucked. I'm just saying. Yeah, but Ricardo stealing Hamilton's phone on the podium and creating an incredible portion of an Instagram story didn't suck, so that was cool. Okay, yeah, that was funny, but it doesn't help that the racing was awful. Maybe so, but, I mean, I think to a large degree, we've kind of come to expect what's going to happen throughout the rest of this F1 season for the past three or four races. Uh, Singapore just cemented it in my head. And now here we are, we're getting down to the business end of things. We're coming through here and the United States and Mexico's coming up. And those have all been very pro Mercedes tracks as of late. And Lewis has completely taken over the championship fight. Sebastian Vettel has either had terrible luck or completely shot himself in the foot, as I expected. Well, Sebastian Vettel has done no such thing to shoot himself in the foot. Tom Ferrari has just absolutely fallen apart over the last See, four See, that's races. what I would say, too. I don't know that you can blame Sebastian Vettel anymore than I can blame the track for putting on a bad race. 
It's the drivers that race on the track. I just don't. This I, is true, but Singapore. Singapore well, was his fault. Well, I understand, but I, I just, I feel more, and honestly, I feel more like that we've had one or two other teams step up. For example, we finally have Mad Max has finally entered the fray here. Well, I mean, at least I mean, a little bit. Too little, too late, unfortunately. Well, but, but, but again, for the championship, but I, I, I feel like Ferrari's fallen off, but also Red Bull is finally starting to step up just a little bit, especially, you know, Verstappen. We've been waiting all season for firsts and seconds out of this kid. And, you know, we're finally starting to see that. But look, the, to me, this was always Hamilton's championship to lose. I never gave Vettel a real shot at this unless Hamilton himself messed up because I just feel like this is his time in Formula One. And I don't see I don't see anybody at this point stepping up and challenging him over a season as long as he is at the top of his game. Ah, sorry. I mean, I know last year he didn't win it, but yeah, again, it was his teammate that beat her. You know, I, Mercedes to me is the, that's that's the organization right now. Right now, right now. That's what I said. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. Rents. Lewis has been the talk of the town a lot lately, from admiring Takuma Sato's Indy 500 ring, sparking rumors that Lewis might want to pull a Fernando Alonso and come and run it sometime. I don't buy it personally, but that's just me. Everybody thinks he's going to retire at some point relatively soon. I don't buy that either. I don't know. A lot of people don't know, but, you know, the thing that's interesting is the fact that he's in some interesting conversation with Charlie Whiting right now. And the fact that he's been his post-race celebrations have started to raise some alarms between Roman Grosjean and other people. Lewis's? He's taking off his belts after the race, and he's not buckled in at all. And FIA regulations mandate that you're at least buckled into the car. And Lewis, hold on, but this is big. <laughs> but this is big in the standpoint of we're talking about Sebastian Vettel taking his steering wheel, and that could actually start to be, as FIA is looking into this, points penalties. So they they want celebration. They want things to go well. And James, being from or Tom. Looking at this from a standpoint of, I know it's petty, and I know that we're talking about this, but the FIA is seriously considering looking at points penalties going forward due to the fact that it's a driver safety issue. Five words, Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll. I'll give you a few more words. Why are we talking about this again? He's driving about 20 miles an hour. He's celebrating for the fans. This is the same group of people who who was it that did the donut a year or two ago? Or no, three, that was in Supercars. No, something happened in F one too for a post race celebration oh, a year I or don't two ago. Who I, it was. That, that, I mean, come on, that, look. Ha, if, hang on a minute, Tom. I'm going to make the point though. I I see where they're going with this because you, all it takes is an incident like the Vettel stroll incident, and somebody's not buckled in, and that was just that not. Japan over the weekend, but at Malaysia, you have a crash like that and somebody's not buckled but in. You're seriously going to hurt somebody. With this. You're missing the point. 
What's the this, point? The then? point is this should be done behind closed doors. This shouldn't even be discussed in public. And and honestly, the reaction of of the the, the official or whoever it is that that was communicating with, I mean, well, we prefer that you don't you can loosen them, but we prefer you don't take. What's the difference? I mean, listen, come up with a rule and, and enforce the rule. Okay, I'm all for a rule. I don't like seeing anybody uh, unbuckle their belts until they're in the pit area and stopped. Okay, but the FIA is so wishy-washy about this. And I think there's got to be a point where you allow these drivers to, to show a little emotion. And that is exactly the FIA detests any post-race no. emotion until they get to the podium. I mean, come on. We, we've, I, I'm not saying let, when we have an, when, up, when, but when, just... when we have an incident on the cool down lap and somebody gets hurt, I'm going to come back to this and, and Listen, glare at you. I don't care if, if he gets to take the belts off or not. This is a symptom of a larger problem. The FIA went back and forth between the two of them be, be, about this issue. And one minute it was, well, we would prefer you not take them off, but you can loosen them. Well, I, but I, but I, that's all I did. And then I take them off. Well, no. Well, the other guy loosens his. Well, does it look it just this, we've got enough problems with F1 right now. I don't think this is an issue that needs to, to be discussed in public. And I certainly don't think, honestly, that it's hard to make a rule and say, this is what we want, guys. We don't care who you are. Good grief, Charlie Brown. Well, here's the other thing, though. Let's actually get into some Formula One discussion. James, it was announced earlier in the past week that Renault is now parting ways with Julian Palmer, leaving the Japanese Grand Prix. The banana boat is without Palmer and... They get to pick up Carlos Sainz early, which, yay, I'm happy for that. We get... Pierre Gasly and Danny Kvyat at Toro Rosso, which to me just is what it is. But James, the signs Renault pairing could be fun. Could be really fun, actually. Nico Hulkenberg might actually have a little competition. Well, I think the big key in all of this is how much Hulkenberg can develop signs as a driver, because I've always thought that Hulkenberg was criminally underrated uh-huh. as a driver behind the wheel. And I'm still not convinced he has equipment with the Renaults to really match the talent that he has. But just because the equipment isn't necessarily there doesn't mean that he can't teach Carlos Sainz a few things who is young and I think still has enough to learn and isn't set in his ways enough that he could really improve over the next few years. So I'll be curious to see how this works. Um, it does bite a little bit for Palmer, but it is what it is. Yeah, though at this point, Tom, I'm not really all I, – I don't really feel all that bad for Jolian Palmer because he's shown absolutely nothing for me to warrant no. him staying in Formula One. No, I, I, I would agree with that. I'm not really too sure. Here again, you know, this seems to be a – I would think this would be a good thing to get Carlos Sainz. I don't, I don't think this is a bad thing at all for the team. And, you know, I don't know where Palmer goes from here, but again, I'm not really too sure that he has shown enough talent to stay in oh, the heck series. No. At least not with a competitive team. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Just, 
I'm glad that experiment's over at Renault, frankly. Now you get a real driver to go alongside Nico Hulkenberg and just move forward. Well, yeah, and Renault actually has... I, I think there's some things to work with there. I just don't. I, I think agree. it was the driver, not yeah. the team. Oh, well, of course, there's some things to work with. Nico Hulkenberg has shown that there's some yeah. things to work with. He's shown some top five finishes. I think this, you know, I think this, they've got to find somebody, whoever it is, they've got to find somebody that can step up and, and be as good as Nico Hulkenberg. Yeah, I agree. James, before we go to break, an F1 note from the non real racing side. From the non-real racing side, that by virtue of my status, as they call it over here, being across the pond, it puts me in a very convenient position to go partake in the semifinals of the Formula One eSports series, which Formula One got smart with and decided to launch here in August with the drop of F1 2017 from their development partners at Codemasters. So... Long story short, keep your eyes peeled on Race Chaser Online, the Performance Motorsports Network, this Tuesday and Wednesday for coverage of that. It will be different. It will be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of iRacing undertones to that as well because a quarter of our 40 semifinalists are iRacers primarily, but it should be entertaining either way. Indeed it will be. So with that, we're going to step aside when we return. Hey, Tom, dirt tracking? Sure, why not? Let's do it. Part two, Motorsports Madness. After this, we're going dirt track racing. When we come back, you're listening to PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. (laughs) My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels 
new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Porkchop, Stephen Evans. And if you're just joining us, good evening. Welcome to Motorsports Madness. We are starting hour number two here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Rents Brown, James Pike have been with you so far. Now we go into Dirt Track and we bring on Dr. Dirt himself and Steve Ovens joins the cast once again. And Steve-O, I don't know if I need to pull strains of achy, breaky heart. Or we just need to go oh, find God, some. Don't. <laughs> we need some sort of theme song because Matt Shepard broke Peter Britton's heart during the finale of Super Dirt Week on Sunday, and he did not even feel bad about it. I wouldn't either if I was getting fifty thousand bucks for a last lap pass. No, and you know he did a lot uh, yesterday, guys. He broke Peter Britton's heart. He broke Ray Graham's heart. He broke Billy Colton's heart from Troyer race cars. Yeah. And and honestly, guys, I think he broke the hearts of every fan who probably wanted to see somebody else other than the 9S park that car into victory lane. And they almost got it, guys. They were three quarters of a lap away from seeing Peter Britton. And I'm not going to say shock the world, but with the season Matt Shepard has had, you would almost have to use the terminology shock the world to win Super Dirt Week in a car prepared by Ray Graham, who has so much history at, at Oswego, not necessarily in a dirt car. And it just that story would have wrote itself. But I don't want to say that and take away anything from what Matt Shepard did this weekend. He did what only not even a handful of guys have done, and that is sweep the weekend in small block and big block competition, the last of which we saw roughly 10 years ago when Danny Johnson swept the weekend back when we were still racing at the Moody Mile on Syracuse Fairgrounds. So uh, an incredible race. And, guys, you know, Jacob, it was a snoozer for the first 100 laps. It was pretty ho-hum. The track took rubber. But then lap 66, the caution comes out. And the whole game changed when Mike Mahaney got a flat right rear tire, comes down the pit lane, and every team on pit road saw that his right rear tire was bald. And nobody, nobody expected that. That changed the game for the entire afternoon. 
Yes, it did. But I want to go back to something Steve just said about uh, Peter Britton surprising everybody and go... (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, you know the one person who wasn't surprised? Maybe the guy who, I don't know, picked him last week. Well, yeah, you were the one. Uh, Probably the only one on the planet outside of the team. But, you know, again, look, he was fast. But I don't think when you look at Matt Shepard, you say to yourself, this guy basically is super dirt car racing right now. And who else would you have expected to win but Matt Shepard in the way that he did it? And look, this may have been, and I'm trying to go back, and I saw an awful lot of really good racing at Syracuse over the years. And I don't remember uh, a last lap pass like that ever. I mean, you know, and I don't want to get too carried away, Steve, with the whole Okay, that means we need to keep it in a swiggo forever because you can prepare any dirt track to be um, just as as smooth and nice as that one. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm just making the point that I think we all just need to stop with whatever we're going to do in the future with Super Dirt Week and just focus on this one and say, you know what? This is one of those rare, amazing, unbelievable finishes that you get once in a blue moon in a race of this caliber. And really, the whole week up there, we had a little bit of rain over the weekend, but it didn't really seem to hamper anything, Steve. Not I mean, it was bit. just a great week all around up there at Super Dirt Week. No, and and Tom, I want to expand on what you just said. It always puzzled me that Dirt Modified's crown jewel event always put on the worst race. I mean, how does that, how did that ever make sense? How did we... Like, this was the 46th edition of Super Dirt Week. How did we get through 44 Super Dirt Weeks putting on, you know, terrible, no passing, the only thing that made the race interesting was pit strategy. And now, you know, last year, last year is almost a wash to me because of the struggles with the track conditions. And so this year, I felt like was the first opportunity at at a, a fair shot for Oswego to show what they could put on for a race in in a race for the Northeast Dirt Mods that, that is their crown jewel. Matt Shepard said it yesterday, and he took the lead in the Super Dirt Series points. I don't care what happens the rest of the year. We could, we could lose the championship, but we won Super Dirt Week, and that would still make it an incredible year on top of having 39 wins to his credit. But they, these guys yeah. all served oh, by the Super way. Dirt Week. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the, yeah, oh, that by is, the way, but... we also won 39 times. But I know what you're saying, Steve, and let me answer the question. It's because Syracuse was tradition. It's because Syracuse was camping. Syracuse was a big party. Syracuse was all of this. Okay, the track was never a great racetrack for those type of cars. It's a mile too big. It you can't you can't even compare the two races. This is a completely different race now that it's on a true short track. And I don't care if it stays at Oswego, goes to a track like Utica Rome, or goes somewhere else. It's still going to be 
if you prep the track properly, all things being equal, you're going to see the kind of racing you saw over this week because it's a short track. And this is what short track racing is. And this is what was missing on a mile. These cars were never built for that size track. No, nope. I, I completely <laughs> agree. I, I completely agree. And, and I think that, I think that this weekend that well this weekend, this week, I think this week is what super dirt week needed. Yes. Uh, in a, in a big, big way, because last year, you know, with the track and the amount of equipment that we pulled out of there, not on tow trucks, not on flatbeds, the amount of equipment that we brought off on a payloader last last year just made that event. You know, there was a lot of questions coming into into this year. And and I think all of those questions got answered. And even guys, even in the officials, the dirt car circle. Even with Dirt Car and World Racing Group, even on Saturday, they said, well, guess what, guys? We've we've seen a really, really bad track last year, and now we've got a smooth track, but it hasn't exactly provided the most passing for position and, and maybe not the best racing. And then lap 100 came yesterday at the halfway mark, and all of a sudden we saw what we were hoping to see out of Oswego. And that was two and three lanes of racing. That was guys being able to move around, make passes. We saw two different, or excuse me, three different changes of the lead, not just positions lead in the last five laps. I don't know what more you could have asked for out of the championship race at super dirt week yesterday. And, and it, although we, we don't have a confirmation on, on the location yet for next year. I think yesterday goes a very, very long way as to telling us where we're going to be in 2018. I would tend to agree. Now, I can't confirm this as fact. However, I have heard from many people that compete at the Oswego Speedway regularly that say, as far as they have heard, there is an option for next year in the contract. Now, whether it's picked up is another story, but again, that that's hearsay for now, but I'll, I'll say this much. If they were waiting to see what kind of a show they were going to get before they committed to it, I think Super Dirt Week earned itself another year at Oswego. And Steve, you want me to tell you how good this Super Dirt Week championship feature was? Can I? Yeah. Matt Shepard wins on a last lap pass. Peter Britton, 25th to 2nd. Larry White, 15th to 3rd. Stuart Friesen, (laughs) 26th to 4th. Jimmy Phelps, 20th to 5th. And would you believe me if I told you that none of them were the hard charger? No, because Danny Johnson started at the Oswego sub shop (laughs) and and managed to finish the top 10. Which, for those who don't know, is clearly on the other side of town. Yeah. Danny Johnson plus 27 spots. 33rd to 6th for the doctor, Steve, who we weren't even sure was going to have a ride for Super Dirt Week. Yeah, he's... uh, 
He's teamed back up with Chris Generelli. Oh, it's about some, time. Some, <laughs> yeah, some other partners are in there as well. And, you know, I, talking to some of, you know, the some of the fans of the 27J, they kind of went into Super Dirt Week this year without a lot of expectations yeah. because, you know, he hasn't had a consistent ride in the Northeast. He's had some rides down uh, racing at Bridgeport and, and a little bit south uh, of, of, of where he normally runs here. And, uh, yeah, so it was just kind of, you know, they didn't have a lot of expectations. And all of a sudden, boom, there he was running in the third spot right there in the middle of the race and, and tire strategy kept him in it all day. But um, it was a great day for them. And, and it just goes to show, you know, age is only a number because yeah. this guy has been doing it a long, long time. And, yeah. and he showed, he showed why they called him the doctor yesterday. Yes, sure. he did. And for anybody who has better math skills than me, even though I checked this before the show, so I know it's right among that top six, that is 99 cars passed for position from start to finish in the main event, Tom. That's what you call a race. That That's is what, what you call a race. Be. There was a lot of other things that happened during Super Dirt Week 2 that we're going to talk about on the other side of this break. So Steve's going to hang tight, and we're going to have more when we come back. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car, and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication. But it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. 
Hi, I'm Tyler Dipple, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Well, you know, the, mu- the music really doesn't necessarily fit with the segment, but the driver surely does. That was kind of the point, you know, because I'm good like that. Oswego does have a tiki bar, so I suppose that sort of matches up. <laughs> Welcome back yeah. to Motorsports Madness. Something like that. Tom's taking my boat again. Well, I just wanted to borrow it for a minute. I'll give it back. He's Jacob Seelman. He's going to take over the wheel. Tom Baker, Rents Brown, Joe King, and Steve Hovens joining us via the Race Chaser Skype line talking Super Dirt Week. Yeah, I'm taking my boat back Go now. Go ahead. Thanks. You can have it. Steve, let's talk about Batman for a minute. And no, I'm not talking about superhero movies, but Peter Britton. Because even though his heart was broken for not winning 50000 bucks in a Dirt Week trophy, there were lots of good emotions, too, after the race, including a moment with his mom that I know made everybody watching Dirt Vision across America tear up and go get all fuzzy inside. Yeah. Um, you know, the battle yesterday coming down to, to Superman, Matt Shepard and, and Batman, Peter Britton, uh, you know, Shane Andrews put it perfectly on dirt vision when he said the justice league would be so proud. (laughs) Yes, Um, they would. (laughs) I mean, the race was just so good. Uh, Peter led 92 of the final 93 laps, uh, except for that last one. And afterwards, you know, I think Peter Britton used the word heartbreak about 20 times uh, in the post-race interviews. Uh, you have so many media there uh, covering the event. And it, it just, it the word just kept coming out. He could not find a, a, a better word to use than than heartbreak to, to lead 92 of the last yeah. 93 and finish in the second spot. But afterwards, uh, right before he did his media availability, um, his mom pulled him aside and offered him a, a necklace that had some kind of uh, locket on the end of it. And she you know, told him how proud she was of his efforts and how proud his dad would have been of his uh. efforts. And the locket had some of his father's ashes inside. And she put the necklace on him, and he proudly wore that necklace for all of his post-race interviews, as well as all the photos afterwards up on the stage. And, you know, talking with Peter after that emotional exchange with his mom, you just got the sense that Sunday afternoon was a, was about a lot more than a race that paid $50,000 to win for him. And so after doing that interview with him and and seeing that exchange, it just, you know, driving home, I was talking to my dad about it. You know, for him, this was about more than just winning a a $50,000 to win race, Jacob. This was, there was so much more for, for Peter that, you know, I'm sure he felt like he had pressure on him. But what a, what a drive he put in yesterday. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. That that's the kind of thing, Tom, that just makes you stop and remember why it is that we do this sometimes. And it's not just about sport and not just about that we love the sport and what we do, but it's about family and it's about more than just driving cars in circles. And I'm not 
going to sit here and say that I didn't choke up a little bit when that got showed on the Dirt Vision replay because I absolutely choked up a little bit. And not just because I picked him, but doggone it, all of America wanted to see Peter Britton win this race. And what he showed me yesterday is that Peter Britton is going to win a Super Dirt Week. It might not have been this one, but at some point he's going to get that one back. Well, now, how many Americans did you pull? <laughs> I mean, to, to I get had, the idea that all of America listen, wanted. Listen, all I had to do was look at social media after the end of the 200 on Sunday, and I saw dirt track fans across the country going, doggone it. Well, the last I knew, Matt Shepard and his fans were still Americans, and I don't think they wanted it. Um, look, <laughs> I, yes, I understand what you're saying, but I think that we – we have to be as much as we're disappointed for Peter Britton in what an awful way. I mean, how many last lap passes have we seen here recently and how much heartbreak have we seen in, in some of these races? But I think you got to give a lot of credit to Matt Shepard. I mean, the, that team basically started from scratch and not to say they lack resources, but right. they are not Steve, the most well-resourced team in this sport Matt Shepard is just simply out driving the competition there. He is. uh, And, you know, his father, Stu, who is, you know, not often missing from from any of these races that Matt's been winning. He said it perfectly yesterday. He said, you know, if Matt had moved down south about 10 or 15 years ago, he'd be a millionaire by now. And, you know, he's so right because he has just got this driving ability that that just, you know, right now is boggling the competition's mind because, you know, with with the way Britain was locking down the bottom and, and not letting anybody make passes on him down low, you know, we thought at that point, okay, Shepard has got 40 to 50 laps on the tires you know, those are going to start going away here. And, you know, nobody thought that an outside pass on the last lap was was going to be the ticket to win. And Shepard just sailed it in there. It was one of those sell the farm kind of moves. It was either <laughs> going to work or it wasn't. I haven't heard that phrase before. Sell the farm you know, kind of moves. It, it just... You know, he was either going to win $50,000 with the move or or he was going to, you know, put it in the fence and say, well, guys, we tried. But well, um, you're right, Tom. They they started. We 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 forget that they started this team with nothing. Yes. You know, they they didn't even they didn't even have that. You know, they were they were using uh, a friend's trailer yes. and, and things like that for a while. Jeff Brownell, who gave him a break. How many years ago, running for his team, gave him a shop to use? Yeah. And and you think Matt and Stu Shepard's smile was big yesterday. You should have saw the smile on Jeff Brownell I believe yesterday. It. Well, and, and all I could think of with this was the last lap pass a bunch of years ago, the classic with Otto Siddle, he drove around Mike Lichty going into three. It was the same kind yes. of circumstance. Yes, it, he, he drove around his teammate Lichty as if Lichty was tied to a stump. I mean, and, and you just looked and went, how in the world? And again with Shepard, how in the world did that happen? But that was Matt Shepard just willing that car. And, you know, what a finish and what a race and what a weekend it was. 
It was fantastic. I mean, that that's my word for it, and I'll use that word probably for the next two weeks, but hey, it's okay. What was also fantastic, Steve, was one of the satellite awesomeness shows that happened before Sunday of Super Dirt Week that involved the World of Outlaws Crafts and Sprint Car Series at Fulton Speedway, which was also the site of the Win and You're In show, but, you know, hey, uh, sprint cars are fun, and... David Gravel had fun. David Gravel won another race. David Gravel is almost even with Donnie Schatz on wins this season. What world is this? Well, David Gravel could... And, and guys, this makes me shake my head a little bit just saying it. David Gravel could end the year with the most wins on tour and not win the championship. Yeah, really. I mean, <laughs> and and I, I, I'm sure that's probably happened before. It's probably happened multiple been a while. times. I, I don't know. But it's, but it's probably been a while because, you know, Donnie has, has won so many races yeah. and won championships right along with him. But um, I, I just, I, th- this kid, you know, I, I think the championship is, is at the point that it's out of reach right now. I really do. I, I you know, I think there's some tracks coming up that could do well for gravel, but I mean, even Brad Sweet is now, I believe it's 128 points uh, behind shots as we as we close in on the end of the year. And, you know, in a season where we I really thought Donnie was going to be in trouble trying to close out a championship, he's just found a way to get it done. And, and isn't that the Donnie shots way? Yeah. <laughs> That could be a name of a street someday, Dottie Shots Way. Uh, he's probably earned a couple of streets yeah. worth in Far- in North Dakota, back home in Fargo, Steve. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they name like half the town after Donnie one of these days. Yeah, it's just it's incredible that, and, and you know he's doing it all the right way. You look at the stats, and, and Donnie is is outperforming these guys in top fives. And and a lot of those top fives guys are are happening when Sweet or when Gravel and all of the wins that Gravel has, you know, Gravel might win a race, but Shots is right there in the top five, and and you know, though you may not have as many wins as Gravel, you've got more top fives, and at the end of the day, top fives, top tens, making that dash every single night. Um, you know, not having a lot or any DNFs, that's how you win a championship. And, and that's that's what makes these guys uh, so good right now. Um, yeah, I mean, gee, I don't know if you could tell it in my voice, but I'm conceding the championship. to him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I think you have to. But what a year Gravel's had and it, it continues at Fulton. And, you know, we want we really get ready to wind this thing down. It won't be very long and they'll be here for the world finals. So. Yeah, uh, we are less than a month away from World Finals now. Holy cow. Steve, always fun to have you, and uh, we'll be back in a week and do it all over again. Absolutely, guys. Uh, Appreciate the time tonight, and and again, you know, uh, congratulations to Matt Shepard on a big weekend, as well as World Racing Group for having us there to, to cover all the fun. Yes, indeed. Thank you, WRG. We're going away. We're coming back. We're talking Australian racing, mate. James Pike will be back. And we'll talk the Bathurst 1000 here on Motorsports Madness. You're listening to PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. 
High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America, featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits. HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop into HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent ya. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. I'm an HRA Pro Stock Racer, Tanner Grant. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, and we'll get to a little bit of NHRA conversation here in a minute in this segment. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Rents Brown, James Pike with you on the Performance Motorsports Network. Right now, though, we're going to talk about James's favorite subject because James, 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 guess what? What? The mountain got shocked, that's what. But was it really, though? Yes, it was. Erebus Motorsport winning the Bathurst 1000 broke my brain, and Australia on social media was like, what just happened? I mean, there were a lot of things that happened that we'll get into here in a bit. But I think we need to make sure that we give Daffo his credit because he oh, has it's not David Reynolds that I'm shocked about. It's the team. Well, maybe the team, but 
honestly, at Bathurst, so long as you have a car that runs at the end of 161 laps, you have a chance. More so than any other place on the entire supercar's calendar. And at that point, it then becomes less about the car and less about the team and more about the driver. And you look at the statistics that David Reynolds has put together at Bathurst. He's only finished outside of the top 10 three times in his career. He's good there. Yeah, yeah, he is really, really good there, which is why, frankly, I thought he would have won in the 55 or, you know, something. But with Erebus? I mean, he, uh, what? He almost did. He did. Yes, he, yes, I know you're surprised it's Erebus, but he almost did in 2012. He, he was did almost win all in 2012. O- all over Jamie Winko's rear bumper in that final handful of laps. But no, uh, I, I thought the most interesting thing, there were a lot of stories to take away from Bathurst. One was that this was the absolute rainiest Bathurst I can remember on record. Just hey. very, very crazy. Yeah, they, they, they got it like we got it, Tom. A lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Second is that no matter how good you are, no matter how quick you are, you are very much not invincible and do have an Achilles heel. Says Steve. Scott McLaughlin's engine. Exactly. Yeah, that's really all you can say. They just got hit with mechanical gremlins, and it's a rare uh, DNF for that group. It had more significant impact on the points than anything else. We'll get to that too in a bit. But, uh, you know, that just happens sometimes, and I hate it for him. And I think had we had a sunny race, no question that he's right there at the end racing. But the mountain giveth and the mountain taketh away, as DJR Team Penske said on their own Twitter. And I can't think of anything that's more fitting. And then you stop and you look at the way this thing played out, especially in the last, oh, what, 20, 30 laps or so. And you think of all the guys that ran into trouble, all the guys who were running up near the front that ran into trouble. Uh Both GRM cars ended up overdriving and smacking themselves into the wall and out of contention. You had Chaz Mostert and Cam Waters that got into it. Was it with Tandor, maybe? I forget who's missing. There's somebody else in that equation, but I know the two main PRA cars got caught up in that little spin right off the restart. You had Shane Van Gisbergen first loop it around there at the final corner of the racetrack and then try and go rally racing to go get positions. And that's how he shot himself in the foot. Twice. And and David Reynolds was really the only one that had consistent speed in that last run. And I know there were some people, and I heard it even from – Mark Scaife on the broadcast that it it kind of killed the sort of dramatic finish that we've had the last few years. But I just remember sitting back and watching it. And I kept thinking to myself at some point, Fabian Coulthard is going to be in this and he's going to go run down David Reynolds and he's going to make this a race because he's got the best car at the three by a mile and a half. And you thought that's exactly how it was going to work. Yeah. Also Mm -hmm. credit to Scott Pye for being the man that, held off Fabian Coulthard to get P2 at the mountain. Huge, huge result for him and for what will become Andretti Walkinshaw United in 2018. But as the laps progressed, it just it never happened. And Daffa was just strolling away with this thing. And I think it was pretty clear for most of us with about maybe, you know, five, six, seven laps to go that as long as he doesn't bin it somewhere, he's going to win the great race. Which he did. Now, to add to that, James, you mentioned the championship picture. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that got blown up when Scotty blew up <laughs> about halfway through the race. And then it got blown up even worse when Jada blew up a little bit later. So what we're left with is the one guy who makes it all the way to the end being the new points leader. Hi, Fabian. Yeah, this really became a story all about how the supercars points got twisted upside down with all due respect to our friend Will Smith and our friends at the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But yeah, Scott McLaughlin was your points leader by 84 going into this race. Coming out of it, Fabian Coulthard, leapfrog both him and Jamie Wincup, and is now 91 points clear at the top. So I think Scott's been the outright fastest driver in the series, but it is very much on him to go run down both his teammate and Wincup at the Gold Coast here in two weeks' time. I think he could do it. He definitely has the speed to make it happen, and he's been on the podium at the Gold Coast before, but it's going to be very interesting, very tense, very close. And I think we'll have a much better picture of how things stand once we wrap this up and we get down to the final two rounds of the season in Auckland and then in the brand new season finale in Newcastle. Yes, yes, I am excited about Newcastle, but we can talk about that a little bit later on a future show here, James. More importantly, let us add to the fact you mentioned it, the Scott Pye finish and a foreshadowing of potential things to come. So in your words and in your brain, how big is Michael Andretti partnering with Ryan Walkinshaw, really? Bigger for Walkinshaw than I think it is for Andretti. I don't know if they're going to be immediately as successful as DJR Team Penske have been. Because I don't think the success at the team level in IndyCar has been as great for Andretti Autosport as it has been for Team Penske, though. I suppose when you consider the history that Team Penske has in all of this, that's a bit like comparing apples to oranges. But uh, I think of the relationships that they have, especially with sponsors, that's really the big thing that Roger Penske brought to DJR before the merger happened. Penske pretty much got Shell on board and got their money on board for the Mm -hmm. most part. And that's part of the big reason why they've been so successful this year because they've had so many more resources to work with. And you look at some of the big sponsors that have partnerships with anybody at Andretti Autosport, DHL is immediately the one that comes to mind because as a global company, I think they'll be the ones that Andretti try to court first into supercars because I think it would make a lot of sense on a lot of levels. But we can't take away the fact that Napa's there, and that would be an interesting brand that you could pump out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I was going to say this is where you help me and come in and tell me all the other big international companies because I know there are big ones here, but There's I don't know how big they are elsewhere. Many other really big international companies in Andretti right now. Napa and DHL really are the only two in my mind that they've got. Yeah, but. See, I think, I don't know if I totally agree that this is bigger for Walkinshaw than it is for Andretti. I think think it's big for Andretti for exactly what we're just talking about now, the marketing potential here, plus the fact that, you know, there's already some conversation about, you know, some of Andretti's drivers being able to go over there and run some stuff. Marco. Yeah, well, no multiples. He was talking about, they were talking about all three of the big drivers over there going and doing it. Um, You know, and you... 
you look at the possibilities here for cross-pollination, well, and, when and you they're st- very vast. I when mean, you I, stop and consider that all of the Enduros are after the IndyCar right, season is th- over, I think basically, that's the thing. except for maybe Sandown, James. Does Sandown conflict with Sonoma? Uh, it's close. It's close. I think you're to the good by a week. Okay. See, I think I think this could be very big for Andretti in terms of expanding their brand and, you know, expanding their footprint worldwide. And I think, yeah. you know, it has a lot of possibilities. I, I really believe that this could be a very intriguing partnership in a lot of ways, similar to the fact that I think you're going to eventually see Andretti and McLaren get together i do believe that will happen on the indycar side full time sooner yeah. rather than later well i mean to be fair i think eventually you'll see a point where mclaren doesn't need andretti and they are once again doing it themselves like they did in the 70s and 80s i don't know i just think they've got the resources we all know that i think there are great advantages to that partnership that mclaren necessarily wouldn't have of their own so i think I think you I you may see that down the road, but I think to begin with, it'll be a partnership with Andretti, and I think sure. there's a, a lot of good reason for that. By the way, quick thoughts here. I just looked at the schedule. Sandown this year actually did conflict with Sonoma Race Weekend, okay. but that's not to say that it will forever and always going forward because right. we shake up the schedule a little bit for 2018, which includes a night race that James needs to talk about on a future show, but not right now. Quick notes before Not we... Not right now, though. I, I do also want to throw this out right before yeah. we leave that we know that Rockstar had been involved with the former iteration of Walking Show Racing. That's also a big partner over at and, Andretti. So, you know, if you're looking for sponsorship, as I know mm. they're going to want to, yes. that'll be another one I think that comes up on the list pretty quickly. That's fair. That's fair. As we go to break, I said we would mention NHRA. We will because they are back in action this weekend for the Fall Nationals at... Texas Motorplex near Dallas, Tom. This is going to be fun because Steve Torrance and Ron Caps continue to lead the Nitro point standings with lots and lots and lots of wins. Eddie Krawick, the same in Pro Stock Motorcycle, lots and lots and lots of wins. And Greg Anderson has a three-point lead in Pro Stock Cars, which are doing weird things that we're going to talk about when we come back because I don't understand why NHRA is trying to break that class any worse than it already is. I hear you. And we're also going to talk a penalty, by the way, too, that wasn't actually a penalty before we make our performance yes. picks. <laughs> so, we please? yeah, we, we come back in a moment. You're listening to The Madness, and it's going to get madder before the checkered flag here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. 
Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Madness here on PMN, our white flag segment. We will make performance picks in a couple of minutes, but but before we do that, Tom, we're about to get, well, fired up. Because you and I is about to have a little disagreement. Uh-oh. We need a boxing bell or something, Rents. Ding, 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 ding. Jimmy Johnson. Okay. What about him? Last pit stop, last major pit stop before the final caution with nine to go. They miss a couple lug nuts on the left rear. Jimmy stops halfway out the box. Tighten the lug nuts so as to, of course, not have a safety issue. Jimmy rolls away. Penalty or no penalty? That is the question. I say no. I say NASCAR got it right by not penalizing it. You disagree. Why? Simple. Rule book says if you pit your car outside of the pit box, it is a penalty. Okay, now... I know that NASCAR said, well, we've allowed other teams to do that this year because of a safety issue. We'd rather have them tighten the lug nuts and go out on the track than not tighten them and go out on the track and have a safety issue. And my response to that is, well, okay, but where is that in the rule book? And where was that? Where is that at the end of the race when you check these teams for missing lug nuts? And then you find them and you suspend crew chiefs. What's the difference if the lug nut happens at the end of the race or if it happens four pit boxes down? Mm -hmm. Okay, now NASCAR says they've let other teams get away with this or, or do this. Now, Jacob, you said the other time was Jimmy Johnson again at Pocono. 
Not my Pocono, question, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. So twice now they've allowed Jimmy Johnson to do that outside of the pit box. How come when other things happen, you have to back the car up into your pit box to make the changes, Rens? Okay. Well, here's the big thing, and Jimmy said it and NASCAR said it today. It's the fact that they're already been given a penalty by the fact they stopped and they're losing positions on pit road. NASCAR said the reason why they didn't penalize the 48 was because they were already the last car that left pit road, Jacob. So NASCAR went, that's the penalty because he was already, Tom, going to be sent to the longest line. So Jacob, he was already at the longest line at that point. Also, point here, they had completed a full pit stop before Jimmy started to leave. All other instances like you, Tom, are referencing are they have to back up before they start service. They had already completed a pit stop at that point. That's the other caveat that NASCAR looked at. It wasn't that they, if, if they had not started the pit stop yet, that would be a different story. Well, they had already completed a I'm, pit stop. I'm telling you, this, that, first of all, this is a very slippery slope. NASCAR needs to be upfront about what's okay and what's not okay, and then they need to be consistent with it. If you take off from the pit box and you find out six pit boxes later that you got a gas can still in the car. Okay, you know, if you're going to allow them to, to, to tighten lug nuts for pit boxes down the road, you better allow them to do whatever else they've got to do. He what, wasn't where was four that? pit boxes down pit road, though. He it hadn't even completely left his stall. It, it, it was He was basically almost completely outside of his stall. Actually, the, I, the tire that they were working on was not across I, the line again, yet. Again, we're here. I'm only saying this is another example of NASCAR appearing to be inconsistent. And from the fans' point of view, the explanation they, they gave was very vague and because we've never heard that before, the optics of this are just awful. And if you want to know why fans are leaving the sport, this is why. Because we can't make up our minds, we can't figure out, and then we have situations like this and we give an explanation that doesn't really explain anything. Well, you know, I think that's all fine and dandy, but Jacob, I think it's time for us to choose the one pick or the two picks that will be the most affecting in our wild card playoff chances for our pickums. So who was who was the worst of the worst this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Who's been the worst most of the season? Oh, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Don't remind me. Oh, I just did. So <sighs> Thanks. You're over the side limit for the show. Whatever. That's just love say. right there. That's real love. You're That's some real love. Limit. All right. Talladega truck race because you really can't do any worse than flipping wildly down the back stretch at Daytona on the last lap. So there's nowhere to go but forward, right? Matt Crafton? Anybody? Oh, that was upside down. That's fine. Yeah, th th there's nowhere to go but forward for that 88. He can't possibly do any worse or any more spectacular than what he already did. As far as the <laughs> cup race, I'm a believer in miracles. And for once, I'm 
I'm going to jinx it, but I don't care. I just I, I have to believe the two is going to push the 88 to victory lane, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to have his Hollywood ending at Talladega. So in order to be right for this pick, I just want want to make this clear that if the 88 wins without the two's help, Jacob doesn't get the winning points. Uh, no, I still get the winning points. <laughs> Jacob will get the winning points of both the two and the 88. That's I what will happen. If Brad's pushing Dale Drew, the only place he's going to push him is out of the way. That's what that's going to be. Brad is Brad is honoring his time at Junior mm-hmm. Motorsports, by the way, this weekend with a throwback to the Navy paint scheme that he drove for Junior when he was in what was then the Nationwide Series, yeah, the now white the car. Xfinity Series. James? Uh, wait, how am I second in all this? Second from last. Yeah. How am I second from last in all this? I picked Bowman. Well, you got playoff points and yeah. playoff waivers, so you're well, okay but, here. But stage points, James, that's what screws it all up. Yeah, I mean, I picked Larson, or picked uh, Truex, too, but... Yeah, Bowman didn't Bowman didn't get max stage points like some other people did in all of this, so you know. Someone's gotta explain to me how in the hell because I who'd I have for the cup race? I don't remember. Someone you, you I wanna... go ahead and pick, James. I'll look for <sighs> you. I shouldn't be picking this early, I'm fairly certain. But I know my truck pick I knew my truck pick wasn't gonna change too much because the one guy who's been low key very sneaky good at Talladega, and I don't feel like too many people have actually said anything about it. Johnny Sauter. Mm-hmm. So I want Johnny yeah. Sauter in the trucks this week. He was the one that was involved in the Matt Crafton going end-over-end thing in mm-hmm. February. Oh, by the way. So he has nowhere to go but forward, too. Right. Exactly. And then Cup. And then Cup. And then Cup. Uh, I like the thought of somebody random like a Kevin Harvick. So I think I'm going to do a Kevin Harvick because I just – Ricky's not winning three in a row. I don't think Kurt Busch is good enough to win. I doubt a Toyota is going to do it because narrative or something silly or other. So, yeah, how about Harvick getting it done? Well, you know what? He's won there before a couple of times, including breaking Jamie McMurray's heart in 2010, I think. Yes. Uh, You are correct about that. The spring of 2010 hasn't won there since, so he's due. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing to think about. Tom, since you didn't get stage points either. Well, I mean. You won the race, for, which is for, great for advancing well, you to the I, next I, round. I didn't win Saturday, for, with but, all due respect. Yeah, as but, much as I liked Alex Bowman's chances, I didn't pick him. So nope. No, nope, you didn't. Nice for try. The, for the, the truck series at Talladega, I believe what I see and as we go into Talladega, here's what I see. Uh-huh. I see Ben Rhodes winning again at Talladega. Back to back. Back to back. Okay. I'm picking Ben Rhodes at Talladega. At um in in the cup in the cup race, you know, this one should be a Martin Truex lock. In fact, I'm tempted to pick him to lap the field, except it's a plate race and that just isn't gonna happen. Yeah, he can't um, do what Bill Elliott did in nineteen eighty four. But no, Whatever because was, he's got I'm a sorry. plate. Yeah. But, but but a true X with no pressure is a dangerous man. I just want that said. Yeah. I'm not picking them, though. I actually am kind of in agreement that I think there's a pretty good chance that a Ford is going to win. Hmm. I just don't think it's going to happen. So I'm picking Jimmy Johnson to win Talladega. That went three different directions <laughs> at once. That was the <laughs> idea. <laughs> 
keep y'all, keep y'all on balance. Well, Jimmy Johnson wins the cup race. The 20, wow. By the way, the 2011 spring race was the one that Jimmy Johnson won by less than an inch. Just throwing yeah, that out there. Jimmy wins. But he hasn't won since. So maybe there's some merit to this. I don't know. Renser? Last time he won a plate race was 2013 in the 400 at Daytona. Correct. But, okay, if we're going to go trucks, I'm going to go completely off the beaten path, and I'm going to choose John Hunter Nemechek for this reason and this reason because only. Because he has to. He has to. And a desperate man on a track like Talladega, you'll do desperate the things. The pro- well, the problem <laughs> is he had to last year, and he blew up by lap 10. Well, but, the, the other problem is Talladega's a bad track. But think about this, too. I guarantee ride. you his father, Joe Nemechek, will stay in that race instead of starting and parking. And I guarantee you he will work with his son to get him into the next round. Yeah. Because think about it, you go Martinsville after that. It takes dollars to do that. I'm not sure they got it. But yeah, I'm then, not sure they got it then either. Then in a cup series, I'm going to choose the guy that's been hot at the Super Speedways, and it's going to be Ricky Stenhouse Jr. They're okay. going to bring they're going to bring that same car back, and I have this feeling in my gut that Jack Roush is going to say to Trevor and whoever he can get a hold of in the Ford camp, work with the 17. We're going to stick together. Even though the Fords are split up, I have a feeling that... Don't count out Trevor Bain. Trevor they Bain. But, but if you can get them together, I do not see that six leaving the 17. I think oh, that 17 goes to victory lane and goes to the third round. Three in a row. Uh, anybody? James, last time somebody won three plate races in a row, was it when Junior was killing everybody at DEI? I think that sounds right. That sounds right. I don't know. I'll look it up, and we'll have something on that tomorrow on Race Chaser Online's Facebook page, I'm sure. But anyway, so lightning round. Talladega is an elimination race for the trucks, which is fun, and it's also scary, and we've got about two minutes. So, Rents, I want you to tell me the two drivers that are getting knocked out. Ooh. Well, if he doesn't get it done, I believe John Hunter Nemechek is a dead man walking. I don't think they have the points to really do uh, They also no, they don't, don't have the points. No. Uh, and I think the chips are stacked against them. The other guy I would think of, honestly, I could see Austin Sindrick being knocked out. I think that Kaz Grala is close enough. He's only eight points back. I think Kaz Grala makes some noise. Keep in mind, the only super speedway race that he had this year, he won at Daytona, Tom. So that right there is something I can think of. Who gets knocked out, Tom? Well, that's an interesting question because... Again, Talladega is such a wild card. I, I really don't know who I think is going to get knocked out. I do think that John Hunter Nemechek probably at this point has the most, excuse me, the most reason to, as you said, uh, do desperate things. But I, I, don't, I don't really know. I'm going to pass on that question. James. I don't really want to take a shot. Oh, you can't pass, although I'm kind of passing. But I think the answer to this question is I think everybody solder above is safe for the most part, no matter what happens. Yeah. And if any of the last four get caught up in the big one, they're done. Okay. So here's my answer. Austin Sendrick and John Hunter Nemechek. I think Kaz Grala finds some of his plate track magic and moves his way into the top six just See, it's just, So you agree with me. It's I just luck for me. I mean, I, I would think, honestly, better Austin and Kaz than John mm-hmm. Hunter. I think John Hunter finds a way to make it. Yep. Fair enough. With that, we getting out of here, boys. Uh, checkered flag on this edition of The Madness. Thanks to Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, our social media partners at Three Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Sue Mason, Joe King behind the glass, and all the staff here at PMN that makes 
this show possible for Tom Baker, Rents Brown, James Pike, Steve Ovens, and all the rest of our staff. I'm Jacob Seelman reminding you to keep it tuned to RacechaserOnline.com for your motorsports, your way, every day. We'll see you back on the air in a week. Until then, keep it off the wall, and we'll see you at the racetrack, folks, till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.